Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Recently on Facebook, so you know this has to be true, a young lawyer posted an image of one of those annoying minions. And the caption was, My goal in life is to tick off at least one person every day. So far, I'm three years, six months, and 27 days ahead of schedule. I've known a few people like her. I've had to deal with a number of pastors who had that kind of attitude, and it really wasn't working very well in their congregations. So surely there's no one on this campus like that, is there? And surely we would never think of the Lord Jesus that way, would we? And yet in today's gospel, we see him seemingly picking a fight with the Pharisees and with King Herod, and that couldn't possibly bode well for him. His words are deliberately confrontational. They're prophetic words. And this account shows us how people often respond to that kind of word from God. Instead of believing it, they become hostile and angry, and they get ticked off. In Luke 13, Jesus was already on the road to Jerusalem. The cross was drawing near. And as the chapter begins, Jesus called the people to repent. And he warned them, if they would not, they would perish. He told them a parable of a fruitless fig tree, a, a tree that was just wasting space and needed to be cut down. He gave them an account of what would happen in the last times the door would be shut. They needed to strive to enter by that narrow door or there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do you suppose people responded to those words? At that very hour, St. Luke says, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. This wasn't a, a friendly act done out of concern for the Lord Jesus. I see them coming as Herod's minions. They were goons. They were always looking for some way to silence Jesus, to trap him in his words, to discredit him, because Jesus was always confronting them condemning them for their hypocrisy, their legalism, their self-righteousness. So this time they tried a different approach. This time they thought they could intimidate him. They would scare him away with Herod's threats. Indeed, Herod was ticked off by the message that Jesus was proclaiming. It was the very same message that John the baptizer had preached. And John had condemned Herod for adultery with his sister. And you know how the story ended. Herod didn't want to hear it. Had John arrested and beheaded him. Herod was nobody to be messed with. 
And Jesus knew exactly who he was dealing with when he told the Pharisees, you go and tell that fox, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I'll finish my course. He called the king a fox. The connotation was he was sly and, and deceitful and deliberately cruel. He was an enemy of God. There is no one else in all of the Gospels that Jesus seemed to treat with such contempt. But why tick off the king? It was clear that all of Herod's threats would not deter Jesus. He'd come to proclaim God's word. He had come to do his father's will. He was on his way to Jerusalem. The cross was drawing near. He would soon die. And Herod would have nothing to say about that. God's will would be done. God's plan of salvation would be fulfilled. But still, why be so confrontational? Because that's a prophet's job. A prophet is one who is sent by God to faithfully speak God's word. But Herod and the Pharisees and many people in those days didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to be confronted. They had just become too comfortable with their sin and unbelief. They didn't want to be called to repent. They didn't want to be warned about eternal damnation. And so that's why in this case, God's word, the prophet's word, had to be so confrontational. Does the church today still faithfully speak a prophetic word? We live in a very casual and permissive society. People have grown comfortable in their sins. Comfortable with adultery, they call it having an affair. Fornication is called living together. Homosexuality is an alternate lifestyle. The murder of babies is called a choice. And every night, violent crime and profanity and pornography are cabled into our living rooms, and the world calls that entertainment. People have grown comfortable with greed, and they are convinced that the only way to succeed, the only way to survive in the world, is to lie and cheat and steal just like everybody else. Many today claim to be spiritual, but not necessarily religious. They feel no need to gather to hear God's word or to receive the sacrament. Remember what Luther said about people like that? He said they despise God's word and the preaching of it. That's pretty confrontational too. And who wants to hear a word like that? So perhaps the church today has grown fearful of speaking the word. We've allowed Satan and the world to intimidate and bully us and convince us that it's more loving to overlook than to confront. 
It's more like Jesus to simply allow people in their sins. The most quoted Bible verse today is, Judge not, that you be not judged. And so the church is becoming increasingly tolerant of sin. It speaks a word that maybe people want to hear, a word that doesn't tick anybody off. But it's not God's word. The world needs, and the church needs, and brothers and sisters, you and I need the sure prophetic word. It's time for the church to say once again, thus says the Lord. It doesn't matter what the laws of our land will allow. It doesn't matter what society permits or what everyone else is doing. And it doesn't matter one iota what all our friends on Facebook might like. God will not tolerate your sins. Repent, or you will perish. That's the prophetic word that you and I are sent into this world to proclaim, no matter what our vocation might be. As a spouse, a parent, professor, a student, a friend, a classmate, a future preacher. When we do, we can expect that there are going to be consequences. There will be opposition. You're going to tick some people off. But we simply cannot become tolerant or comfortable with sin. It's not the Christ-like thing to do, for then we would empty the cross of its power to save. Without the sure prophetic word of law, people would never know of God's mercy and grace. They would never truly hear the gospel. They will never know Jesus. You look back through history, and the faithful prophets have always, always dearly love their people. Look at the prophet Jeremiah. He faithfully speak a harsh and confrontational word, and he got himself into all kinds of trouble. But you hear the, the depth of this man's love as he lamented over them, saying, Oh, that my head were a spring of water. And my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. And today we hear Jesus lamenting over those folks. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Do you sense the depth of the Savior's love for those folks? Do you hear how he longed to save them? He was willing to suffer for them. He was willing to die for them. He was ready to go to the cross for them, but they were not willing. They were not willing to hear the word. 
They were not willing to repent of their sins. They despised the word and rejected his love, and they crucified him. Can you hear Jesus today lamenting over the world that you and I live in? Can you hear Jesus lamenting over this seminary community? Can you hear Jesus lamenting over you? Do you sense the depth of his love for you? He was willing to suffer and die on a cross for you. He was willing to save you. Are you willing? Willing to hear his word confronting you with your sin today? On the first Easter afternoon, two of the disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus when they were met by a stranger who asked them why they were so downcast. And they began to tell him about Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. And then they said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Those are some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. We had hoped, but not anymore. Without the powerful prophetic word, without the prophet, without Jesus, there was no more hope. But what a wonderful surprise! A joyful, hopeful surprise when the crucified and now risen Savior revealed himself to them as they walked along the road, as he opened the scriptures and their hearts burned within them. And as he revealed himself to them in the breaking of bread. Yes, Jesus is a prophet. He is the prophet, but he is more than a prophet. He is your crucified and risen Savior, and he promises you forgiveness of all your sins, joy in the midst of life, and hope that knows no end. Tomorrow we begin the Lenten journey. We go up with Jesus to Jerusalem. We kneel before the cross. And throughout this season, during these days, I urge you to hear the Savior calling, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, Concordia Seminary, Concordia Seminary. Oh, future pastors and deaconesses. Oh, professors and staff members. Oh, chaplain. How often I've longed for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.